listening to Get Yourself the Job with Jennifer Hill and Brandon Maslin, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Get Yourself the Job. Now a month into our new day in time, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You're joined by myself as well as my co-host, Brandon Maslin, who is our extraordinary attorney turned entrepreneur turned executive coach. And in the theme for this month, we've decided that the month of August is going to be focused on emotional intelligence. Back in July, we had had, I think it was a week or two ago, Alexander Levitt join us. And we were talking about what matters most for the leaders of the future, as well as the people who are going to be working in this new future that we're all stepping into. And one of the things that Alex had touched on was the idea of emotional intelligence and how important that combined with our agility and communication is in order to be successful. So throughout this month, we're going to be coming to you with different ideas and ways and techniques and experts on how each one of us can enhance our emotional intelligence. And today we're going to focus on self-awareness. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I do want to take a moment and thank our sponsors, the people over at Markham Search LLC. Markham Search offers premier professional recruiting services throughout the United States, including temporary, payrolling services, and executive search. So please do reach out to Markham if you think of anything you need. All right, Brandon, <laughs> let's do this. We were talking the other day and we discussed this idea of emotional intelligence and self-awareness. You are the definition guy. I wasn't sure if you had a definition you wanted to start us off with today, or perhaps if you could just give us your take on what self-awareness or emotional intelligence means to you. <laughs> well, it's so funny that you say that because it means exactly what you said. It, self-awareness is emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is self-awareness. So ironically, the definition, as I describe it, of emotional intelligence is exactly that. Someone who is not self-aware, someone who is not recognizing of what is going on inside of them, usually lacks an amount of emotional intelligence. Um, and where that's problematic, especially uh, based on some of the a previous episode talking about toxicity, is when someone's unaware of their pain or their suffering, they just know they feel bad. And rather than wonder why or, or what's going on within them, they, they might say, well, this person, man, it must be this other person that's making me feel bad, right? Even if that person's the first person they've seen that day. Um, I've talked about this in previous shows. One of the problems I've had in my career and, and one of the things I'm very empathetic to or towards for others is this aware is that this ability to make things about us that aren't about us. For example, if someone's in a bad mood, you know, one of my defaults uh, from my childhood is what did I do to make them in a bad mood? You know, that's that's from my byproduct of a bipolar mother or, or living in a family with an alcoholic, is that I program myself to say, what have I done to cause this magical thinking, which is what we do as children. Now, they, so so there's so what happens is, you know, when there's a lack of emotional intelligence, you can create a victim mentality or you can be a bully. And so it's very important to have a, a self-awareness because you won't be the victim and you're un, and you're less likely to be the the aggressive bully as well. So self-awareness is emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is self-awareness. It's a good place to begin. 
Have I ever shared with you, Brandon? I don't remember if I've ever shared this on uh, this show or with our listeners before about the idea of the drama triangle. Have we ever talked about this? Lay it on us. All right, this is good. <laughs> so there's this concept called the drama triangle. I did not create it. Somebody much wiser and smarter than me came up with it. And essentially you have these three elements. You have the hero, the victim, and the perpetrator. And a story I like to use is, uh, you know, you have this show that used to be on TV with the Canadian, I think it was called Rocky and Bullwinkle, if I'm not mistaken. I'm kind of dating myself, but I think it was a cartoon from the 1970s. And in this show, you had this Canadian mountaineer who was the hero, Dudley Do-Right. And he was always in every episode coming in to save Nell, the victim, who is constantly being tied to the train tracks by Snidely Whiplash, the evil villain who is doing the tying. So what happens is, in life, whenever we are the hero, the victim, or the perpetrator, you are going to find yourself in what's called the drama triangle. And by drama, I mean dis-ease, anxiety, frustration, bitterness, anger, any numerad or numerous myriad of emotions that you might experience. So interestingly enough, the only way to extricate yourself from the drama triangle is accountability. So many years ago, I was speaking at a national conference in DC, and it was a room full of three or 400 executives who ran law firms. And I posed this question to the group, and I offer you to do the same right now. I said, I want you to think for a moment of a situation where maybe you might have been recently the hero, the victim, or the perpetrator. So out of this, you know, they share in the groups and the tables. And after everybody's done sharing about five or 10 minutes and I say, does anybody want to share where you could see you were the hero, the victim or the perpetrator? And this one guy at a table kind of sheepishly raises his hand and he says, um, Jennifer, I actually can see where I was all three of them, where I was the hero, I was the victim and I was the perpetrator. And I, it, it was all me. And I said, great, can you share? And he said, absolutely. So he said, it was late one Friday afternoon. I'm running this law firm and we had this new software contract we were about to sign. And so here we were already up on a deadline, a time crunch, and we're getting ready to sign it. And at the 11th hour, I had this other vendor who came in $1,000 less. So I was the hero. Here I am, deadly do-right. I'm going to save the firm $1,000. However, because I now found this new vendor, I now had to stay till midnight that night working out the details with this other contract instead. So I was the perpetrator because I did it to myself and I was victimized by my own circumstance. Now, the moment that this gentleman in class had this epiphany, he was free. He could see that nobody did this to him, that how he was an active participant in it allowed him to go, wow, it's not personal. It's just that here I was, I was participating, like somebody did this to me, et cetera, et cetera. And when we become accountable, I think accountability is one of our greatest assets mm -hmm. to become self-aware. When we take ownership and instead of blaming and pointing the finger at you did this to me to tie into your earlier point, Brandon, that's where our freedom, power, and self-expression come from is to go, huh, I wonder how I might be contributing to whatever it is that's causing me suffering right now. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. And I, that's absolutely taking ownership of how we contribute is key. I, I, you know, this is where it's such a fine line is there's a moment where we take ownership and there's a moment where we take too much ownership. And uh, 
that's where this self-awareness, emotional intelligence becomes so important, so important. But starting with, and this, this series is going to be about emotional intelligence. We should have started there. We're going to do a four-part series on deep diving into what emotional intelligence is, why you need it, and how it contribute to you getting the dream job. Whatever it is, getting hired, getting um, promoted, or, or, or if really avoiding getting fired. Uh, you know, it's a good example, right? Getting the fired. You know, so often when a company needs to make a decision, a hard decision, they're looking around to see who is indispensable, who can we not get rid of. And do not underestimate the person who is aware of what they contribute how they contribute and these intangible ways they contribute are oftentimes the people that are that are getting that are surviving these layoff after layoff cycles um and a lot of times those people are staying because of the way they make other people feel and so the person who's unself-aware isn't even aware of where they can pivot or get better or uh, evolve or have agility and that's also problematic so um, with that, I think that, I don't know. What do you think about that? That, that, you know, how do, how, how does emotional intelligence, self-awareness play into? Uh... Well, I think emotional intelligence, Brandon, it's years ago, you know, we, uh, you, I remember getting like one of those IQ tests as a kid, right? So a lot of people knew, uh, you know, our intelligence quotient or whatever you might want to call it. Right. And so that's how we were kind of how our value was shown to the world. And as we've grown, as we've moved from these old models of business into these new models with multiple generations, things shifting, things changing at such a rapid pace that from one year Gen X, you have new industries emerging, other ones falling away. I think that it's our intuition and our ability to be compassionate for ourselves and to be compassionate for others that is really going to allow us to be successful or not successful. I'll give you a great example of this, Brandon. Um, I think you and I did this the other night too. There's something I used to do with my old company when I ran my recruiting firm called The Human Design. Now you can go for free to jovianarchive.com and you can get a quick down and dirty free human design and just put in your info, get a free chart. It's super easy. You don't even need to put in your email address. However, I do recommend having an expert to kind of explain it to you. And the reason that I became really engrossed in human design about seven years ago when I started working with my business coach is because I didn't realize, I went through the first 30 plus years of my life completely ignorant to the fact that we're designed differently. We're born in different parts of the world. We have different obstacles, different opportunities. And I really didn't understand the depth. You know, we might understand it at a 100,000 foot view, but to really get into the myopic of how is Brandon designed differently than me? Or as I was just rewatching with my business partner for Om Heels, a company that I run, Moon Show, the first thing she and I did when we started working together is we got on an hour-long call with my business coach, and we went through her design and my design. And we were able to have greater compassion for one another, because if I went through all of life and I treated everybody, I, you know that old adage, treat somebody the way you want to be treated, yes, and what if the way that other person wants to be treated is different how you want than how you want to be treated. For example, some people need facts to make a choice. Somebody might 
depending on how you're designed, human design or any number of, uh, you could call it Myers-Briggs, whatever it is, we all have different things that we're better at, our strengths, our weaknesses, and some people need facts. I know many people like this who need facts in order to be able to make a decision. So if I treated somebody the way I wanted to be treated and I want information quick, efficiently, and I don't care about the facts, but somebody gives me a lot of facts that I don't care about, they're treating me the way they want to be treated, but they're not treating me in a way that's going to land for me. And this is what I think allows any business leader to be successful and anybody to be indispensable to your point, Brandon, in the workplace is to understand that we are all designed differently and you cannot treat all your employees the same. You can't treat your colleagues the same. You want to treat everybody with compassion and kindness. However, you want to be thoughtful and bring your conscious awareness to how each person is designed. And in fact, one of my favorite guests we've ever had on the show is Dr. Paul White, who has joined us numerous times on the show and talked about appreciation at work and how different employees need to be appreciated in different ways. Some people like gifts, some people like acts of service, some people want verbal acknowledgements. And the more that you begin to understand this, the more that you understand the nuances of how we're all designed as yeah. human beings and that we get to play with that. So Brennan, tell me, I mean, in your experience, you've worked with some of the top leaders around the world in executive coaching. What do you see from the leaders that you work with that helps to enhance their emotional intelligence and to be great leaders? Yeah, I mean, this is one of the hard things, maybe not great for our audience, but I, I do think emotional intelligence sometimes is something you're born with. Um, there's certain people who don't um, have it uh, and don't have the skill set. Uh, so it's hard to learn. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm going to agree to disagree with you, Brandon. I'm no, gonna... I'm, I'm going to get. I'm going to I'm, 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 I'm get to a point here because I think there's. I, I, I'm not saying that you can't, but what I'm saying is the I have found time and time again, you have to be willing to actively, truly engage in the practice and the discomfort of learning emotional intelligence. And that starts with exactly what you were saying, which is the effect you have on others. And one thing in my work, talking to thousands of leaders, and, and for myself included, that I have very little respect for is individuals who have no comprehension of how they affect others. And unfortunately, this is so constant oftentimes in some leaders and CEOs and others where they're constantly causing consistent harm, but not adapting their behavior to stop that harm. And if anything, they're doubling down because to become aware of the behaviors that they're engaging in that are hurting others would cause such an existential crisis and make them question everything they've been doing. So we, we don't do it. So I agree that you, you can learn it, that you can do it. I, I certainly have seen it in family members. I've seen it in my clients and I've seen it in my clients. I, I've seen clients, but that's the difference, right? I, I, they're coming to me as a coach or they're coming to a you know, therapist can do this too. But you know, they're coming to someone with the purpose of awareness and change. And so often that comes because of, but one of my biggest frustrations is the person who is consistently negatively affecting others hmm. and doing nothing to change it. That is the ultimate lack of self-awareness in my opinion. Or hmm. 
at its worst, it's self-awareness that you're actually doing it. And, you know, and then that's a whole other type of person, not a good one. So I think that, you know, and I, and, and so I'm, I, I encourage you to sort of give us the pointers on if someone is willing to engage in the practice of becoming aware and becoming aware of the impact you have on others, what are things they can do? Because these are the people who rise in their careers. These are the people who are happier. These are people who are healthier. And so are the employees around them. And these are very good interview tips too. If you can bring it, if you can bring it into, because the impact you have on the interviewer might be the most important impact you ever have on anyone in your career in some ways. Yeah, and, and it ties in perfectly to references. Sometimes you see disparity, and I would see this often running a recruiting company, where somebody would give you the name of a reference, and I'd call Joe Smith about Susie, you know, Susie Johnson. And I called Joe Smith, I'm like, Susie, you know, uh, John, Susie gave me your information, and what can you tell me? Oh, she was terrible, I hated her. And you just have this disconnect of sometimes we don't realize how we occur for other people, which to your point, Brandon, is very low EQ. So let's talk about this in tangible forms of some of the things that we as human beings can do to bring awareness and consciousness to how we interact with others and how they interact with us and how we occur for others. Number one is you wanna check in and see, do I show up in the world as the way I think I do? And the only way you can do that is by doing a litmus test with people in your life, pick five people. And I've shared this once or twice before over the last four or five years we've been doing this show, but I'm going to reiterate because it's such a wonderful exercise to increase your emotional intelligence. Go out and ask people, what was your first impression of me when we met? Where have I surprised you? Where have I disappointed you? What can you count on me for? What can't you count on me for? And what is your impression of me now? So number one, what that's going to do is that's going to illuminate for you some of the dust particles that are in the air that maybe you weren't aware of. One of my dear friends and I were doing a similar exercise the other day, and I would do this with my own team members often, because you can't work on that aspect of yourself if you can't see it. The moment that you see it, then it's like you can see, you know, like there's dust particles floating in the air at any moment. But until the sunlight filters through and you see those dust particles illuminated, you can't work on them until you can see them. The same is true of maybe those aspects of ourselves that are causing harm to others or even to ourselves. And then the second aspect of that, Brandon, when we're talking about increasing our emotional intelligence is to be in communication with people on what works for them and doesn't work for them. So to go back to the Dr. Paul White example, and I love this, his work is based on a collaboration he did with Dr. Gary Chapman on the five love languages. And every single team member I ever hired, as soon as I found out about uh, Dr. White's work, is I would ask them on day one when we started working together, what is your preferred method of appreciation? How do you prefer to be appreciated? And I remember I had a new tech recruiter who was working in our Bay Area office. And when I asked him this, I was so grateful I did, Brandon, because I could have easily made a faux pas around this. He said, Jen, 
what really would have me feel known and respected and understood is if you wouldn't mind, if you could just acknowledge me privately, please don't ever acknowledge me in public. Mm -hmm. It's like nails on a chalkboard to me. Now imagine what managers, sometimes as managers, we think we know what's best. Oh, you know, I wanna send an email blast out about what a great job Jim did, you know, on this project, where Jim could be petrified, mortified by that. So unless you're in constant communication, and going through a process of clarification of what works and what somebody is or is not able to receive, you're not going to be able to increase your EQ. So how does this play into people getting hired? How yeah, can great. people use, use this? Because you're not going to go to the interview or in the middle of the interview. Hey, can you tell me how you want to, how you like feedback or anything? You're not. So what can people do to use their self-awareness to get hired in their career? Perfect. So to the... Uh, to the point about the first question, and I know you did this too, Brandon, about like the superstar, what are the three things that are my superpowers? You can also ask that question. I know we've addressed that before. When you find out from people, what can you count on me for? You know, where have I surprised you? Or what are my superpowers? You want to write that down. And that is the fodder. That is the meat of any interview you go into. Those then become your jumping off points and talking points. So oftentimes when people go into an interview, the reason they don't get hired is they really struggle to share about what it is that makes them special. And sometimes we don't even know it because we just don't see what we're contributing to a team. So imagine if you talk to a friend and they said, you know what? Brandon, what I love about you is how thoughtful you are and what a great listener you are. Then if I'm Brandon and I go into an interview the next day, I am going to tie in how thoughtful and what a great listener I am into the and interview. Let's pause, let's pause there. Let's pause there. So I think that there's something there, which is to get self-awareness, one of the most important things you can do is to find out the impact you have on others. And then you can use that as you're pointing out to highlight that in an interview or in your career. I think so often we're unaware of our strengths. And one of the things you're pointing out here is that if you have that conversation with a friend, that that's one of your strengths and you can highlight it in the interview. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many, there's a million directions we can go on, but feel free to continue on that if you have something more. No, to no, say. I'm just trying to, I just, I just think it's good to, to highlight how we can create self-awareness and how we can utilize it. So one of the things that I think you're pointing out is so poignant is again, that is that we should be asking our friends, our family, others, what's the way I affect you in a positive way? And how does that play in? Um, yeah. what, Jennifer, you're a master interviewer. What, what, what are ways that you've seen a lack of self-awareness cost someone a job? You know, it's people don't realize that we live in this kind of bubble, right? We live in a bubble where we speak in a certain way and it might not be fun to be around you. I think the biggest way that people self-sabotage in an interview is that the words they use, they're completely unconscious about how they speak, about their career, about why they left a prior job. There's no conscious awareness. And I'm not saying to use mm. a script. That is the yeah. first thing I'm saying. Yeah. I am saying that, you know, we go unconscious. If we start rambling, we say, oh gosh, you know, my last trip was just so hard. You know, you're just having a hard day. Yeah. yeah. Like, guard down, you just start riffing. You're like, oh yeah. God, yeah, this last guy was a real jerk. And, you know, thanks for listening. And, and we don't even realize, <laughs> but then the bigger 
question is, if that's who you are, you, the more thoughtful you are and the more aware you are, the more effective you can be in the interview. And I thought of something else really important, Brandon, that I want to highlight when it comes mm -hmm. to EQ. As a recruiter, one of my jobs that I did is I trained all of my team members on how to understand what type of a personality somebody was. And great example is years ago, like the example I gave earlier of somebody needing facts, you need to know what you need. If you've ever been in a romantic relationship or a business relationship, mm -hmm. something that can drive the partner crazy in the business or in the romantic relationship is somebody who doesn't know what they need. If you're not communicating what you need, then the partner gets frustrated and then you get frustrated when you don't receive it. So for example, in a job example, as a recruiter, it was my job to understand this and to tell the client what to expect when we got to the offer stage. There was a gentleman who was very detailed, brilliant guy, general counsel. We were getting him his first job as a general counsel at a law or at a startup. And I knew from talking to him and my interactions with him, he needed time. Something he needed was time, space, and facts. So throughout the whole process, I told the client, listen, he's going to need a week to consider an offer if we give it to him. He's probably going to have about 100 questions about it. And he's just going to need some space around this. Now, imagine if he wasn't working with a recruiter. Would he have had the courage to share that or the self-knowledge and self-awareness? Imagine you're going in and you know you don't like to be pressurized. The best thing that you can do is step one when you're talking to human resources, share with them and say, listen, you know what I love? What matters most to me is X, Y, and Z. And you know, I love because I like to be very thoughtful and detailed in how I approach things. I love to have a lot of time to be able to consider an offer. Is yeah. your that what what are your expectations when There's you extend an offer? Yeah, what when you extend an offer, do you expect an immediate response? Are you okay with somebody having time to review the package? There is nothing wrong with communicating what you need, and that's what emotional intelligence is. I love that 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 idea of communication around what you need, what you can expect. And you're right, I think that there's so much around emotional intelligence and self-awareness leads to conversation. So much disharmony in a career is created because someone thinks one thing and they're not communicating to the other person they think. And there's this, there's this discord and this disharmony. It happens in relationships too, where we're having separate conversations in our heads about what the other person is doing when really – um, they're just doing thing. And I think that communication of uh, really setting level setting of, of how you are affected or what can expect uh, erases that, you know, gray area where so much um, disharmony can occur. So what is it that you've seen perhaps, because I'm sure you've seen a lot of people get promoted. Um, when someone's using self-awareness to get promoted, what do you think is going on there? I think that it's a lack of selfishness because it's it's very easy. Let's say there's a few different things. So if we're talking about promotion based on numbers in a sales role, unfortunately or fortunately, if you're producing numbers, you're going to get promoted. You could be the biggest jerk. I was a perfect example of that, unfortunately, in my career when I first started. I was a complete jerk to people, but my numbers were off the charts, so you can get promoted. So I want to be clear that there's not um, uh, apples to apples correlation. Right. 
question. Um, no, that's, I, think that's a, I think that's oftentimes a problem, in, in, especially in the recruiting field, where the, a lot of times the person who's the best recruiter gets promoted to the manager, and oftentimes the best recruiter is not the best manager. Same thing in sales. That happens a lot in sales. Best person in – sometimes they're just the best person at producing sales. And so I'm wonder, I, I see that as a trend that's slightly changing the old way. Uh, and you're seeing this in tech as the bl- trailblazer on this. Just because you're the world's greatest programmer doesn't mean you have the self-awareness to be the world's greatest manager. And historically, the only way to get more money and rise in your career was managing people. And tech, you know, was very smart in creating the individual contributor track to that point. Where, and and, and I think that that creates its own self-awareness, where you need that self-awareness to get promoted to your point of, I am not great at managing people. I'm great at producing and delivering. Let me do that. I just want to be appreciated. Sorry, non sequitur. Just you got me off on a tangent there, but I think that's a good point you manage. What, that self awareness that you had, that just because I was getting promoted didn't mean at that time in your career you were the best manager. You became that, but didn't mean it was that. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think that if you are looking, and it's not a numbers thing, if you're looking, maybe you're not in a production sort of a role, like a sales sort of a role, and that you want to get promoted into a managerial role, I think it's about being helpful, being thoughtful, and being uh, up to date on all of the latest things and reading and learning. That's where it's really, bring being self-awareness, there's the book learning, and then there's also the people learning. And so if somebody winds up leaving your team or going to a different company, I think sitting down with them for lunch and just saying, you know, I really enjoyed working with you. Would you mind if we just spent some time? I really want to learn and grow from this experience. Can you tell me, you know, what was it that you liked about working with me? Was there anything missing that you would have liked to have seen more of? You know, I really would appreciate your your input on this. And I think this is helpful to do at all different stages in your career. So often, Brandon, we're afraid to hear the truth, right? You know, some people are like, tell me what you really think of me, but not really, you know? Yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) But if you say it and you give people the space I mean, this is something I don't normally talk about on this show, Brandon, but as you know, I host another show called Conversations for Consciousness and do a lot with thought leaders around the world. One of the things that I learned, um, and it's a Kabbalistic concept called proactive confrontation. And this to me is like the epitome of the highest level Mm -hmm. of emotional intelligence that you can achieve. Let's say you and I, Brandon, are about to have a conversation about me getting a raise. You're my boss and I wanna talk to you about a raise. If I go to you and I know like I'm already having butterflies in my stomach and I'm already feeling a little wonky and weird about it. And then I go to you and I'm all wonky and weird and like, so Brandon, can we talk about this like promotion thing? It's just awkward for you. Right, right, right. So the Kabbalists have this suggestion and Kabbalists is not a religion thing. It's like ancient wisdom that dates back three or 4,000 years. And what they suggest is number one, pause. Before you go to have your conversation with your boss, imagine Brandon in this case is my boss, that I pause. And I first just internally ask, this is true emotional intelligence, is Brandon available to have this conversation with Mm, me? mm, This is mm -hmm, internal mm -hmm. I'm asking. And you can sense it, right? Like if you've ever gone to have a conversation with a boss, a significant other, you feel it. Like sometimes you go in there, but you're like a bull yeah. in a chocolate shop and you can feel that the person is not receptive to it. So you pause and ask, is this person available to receive sure. what I'm about to speak with them about? 
And if not, you pause and you wait for better timing. Our whole life, all problems we could ever face personally or professionally can be solved by that one concept of just pausing, asking if the person's available to receive it, and pivoting. Oh, I love that. That's so good. That's a really brilliant point. I think in our personal and our professional lives. And yeah. we do so much self damage and lack of self-awareness by going, why did that message not land? What did I do wrong? Why did I have that impact? And it's like, you you were never going to succeed. The, the, there was the, the road was closed. You know, the, the mountain was, was covered in snow. It, it just, it wasn't the time. Wait till spring to climb, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's just like, there was a better, right? I like that analogy actually, there's better conditions. You can climb the mountain. You're a good mountain climber. Uh, bad, bad weather conditions. And I would wait. Till whatever that storm is. Yes, bad weather conditions. Yeah, That's a no, that, perfect example. It's not that you can't fly in. You could fly in and land, but there's fog and you might crash the plane. <laughs> and I think that I think that's one of the things that we have to be aware of. That we can only control we can control. And so one of the things that we need to recognize is okay, is this bad weather conditions? Or is this an impossible task? Meaning this person will not change. And I'm a big fan, I'm not a big fan. Uh, Lord knows I've done it, uh, having an alcoholic uh, parent. But you know you can't change someone who's not going to change. It just is what it is. Um, you can do the best you can in the situations you want. For example, waiting till they sober up is a good example of that. Or the boss is having a bad day, or whatever you want. But one thing that I ask people of to become self-aware is to be recognized that just because someone is unreceptive or not receptive to what you're saying does not make your point any less valid. And sometimes you have to wait for those perfect weather conditions. And sometimes in a career, you have to recognize that this is just not the environment that will ever be conducive to who you are. And the more aware you become, the more you kind of find the, the places where you, you, know, you can thrive in that regard. And I think that's true in interviews. I, you know, this is so important for anyone who's listening. When you're interviewing, we'll say for the billionth time, you are interviewing them. You are interviewing them. Ask them hard questions. See how they respond. Ask them things and say things that are true and authentic to you. If you put on a front that is not the true self, they're going to hire that person. And believe me, as I like to say to my clients back when I was a lawyer, you're not Pacino. You're not Streep. You're not going to win an Oscar. Eventually, you're going to be found. And the amount of pain you have to do. I'm all, I'm all for it. I'm a weird interviewer when it comes to prepping people for an interview, go in and be you, go, go. But Jennifer, circling back to something you said earlier, that's so brilliant. If you had a horrible past experience in your last job and you try to talk about this in an interview and you think somehow you're gonna smile your way through it, you're not. They're just gonna go, I'm, I'm either missing something or to Jennifer's point, you'll just sort of unload on them and they're not your therapist. Um, the best thing you can do is to acknowledge the past, respect it but as quickly and as humanly relevant as possible, move forward. That's awareness. Awareness is, right, I mean, I love this idea of life, which is our past is pain and anger. Our future is so can be so fear-based because we're sometimes afraid that we're gonna have more of the pain and anger we've had. It's the middle, the present, just be present. Whoever you're talking to, awareness is being locked into a conversation with the individual you're talking to and being present in that conversation as an active participant. And to Jennifer's point, be aware when they're not <laughs> a participant, <laughs> you know? Um, 
And I just got great advice from my therapist today, which is in those situations, be an observer. You know, I'm so, God, that coach in me, that lawyer in me, that recruiter in me, I want to, I want to be in it with you. You know, that's, you know, it's funny. I have friends who their idea of a good time is you sit around and you have a few drinks and you talk about nothing and you do nothing. My version of a good time, my best friends is we sit around and we talk about everything, you know, that's two different worlds. Um, but there are times where someone is not going to be an active participant in you. And those just kick back, watch, you know, you don't need to fix anything. You don't need to do anything. And that is such, it comes with such age. <laughs> it comes with wisdom, but watch the calmest leaders, the con the people who are succeeding in their career, I'm telling you, are great at that. All right. All right. Okay. Moving on. They're not screaming and yelling and pounding the desk. And if they are, uh, you know, that's fine. So that works for some people, but I don't think, I think that whole pounding the best and trying to force people to do something is a leader of the past. I think the leader of the future is someone who goes, how would I want to be treated? All right. You know what? I want to be incentivized. I want to be empowered. I want to be motivated, inspired, heard. And if you can do that for others, because you recognize that's what you want for yourself, that's a leader of the future. And those are the hires of the future, I think. Yeah, you're so right, Brandon. I think everything we've been talking about today is to kind of set off the foundation for this month of emotional intelligence. It's about pausing. It's about just pausing and reflecting. And that is so powerful. Another thing that occurred to me, and it happened to me the other day, that is so powerful with EQ and emotional intelligence is waiting to send that email or waiting to send that because that's where... Yeah. Moments I was enraged. I got a contract the other day and I, it was like the worst night's sleep I'd ever had. I took it so personally. I was like, this is misogynistic. I'm not going to accept this. How dare this person? Blah, blah, blah. And thank God, you know, you have your fiance, your friends, whomever, your mentors near you. And my fiance is like, honey, don't send that email right now. I'm like, yeah. I need to, and, you know, despite doing 15, 20 years of EQ work, personal development work, you still get mad sometimes. And oh, yeah. you still reactive and it's either having the inner you know ability to restrict and not send that email or having friends and loved ones and colleagues who know what you're committed to or, and then, write, or, or Jennifer write that email because yeah. you feel it just don't send it totally that's what I wound up doing at 1 30 a.m it's like Good. I first went to bed and I was like okay I'm just gonna let it go and send love and light to this person. 1:30 a.m. I woke up even more late. <laughs> <Good. laughs> To your point, I did not send the email. And then I woke up the next day and had a fabulous conversation with the person. And it was all easy and effortless. But talk yeah. about the wrong timing had I tried uh, yeah, to do it. I, no, I, I feel you. It's, it's good. I once, I, I, right before I left one of my jobs, um, the CEO did something really just fundamentally horrible. I mean, just no, you know, and, and one of the cruelest things I've ever seen someone do personally. And I was, I spent the plane ride just writing a hundred emails and not thankfully not sending any of them. Um, you know, I want to, I want to believe on my own volition, right? What is it going to do? I mean, this is the point. I love this conversation we're having around self-awareness is being aware that we're not going to have the intended impact. And mm -hmm. I love your talking about anger because that is my kryptonite. When I get angry, I am always my least effective. I know that on me. I just got, 4th of July is a hard time for me for a variety of reasons. Um, from a familial perspective. And I was like, don't get angry. Every time you get angry, and I, lo and behold, got angry. It's just like, it's almost, you know, sometimes in life, you know, the more you focus on a thing, the more you're going to go towards it. God help us. Um, but I love that point you're making. 
anger works. You know, I have a colleague, I, I think I'm going to have her on the show, a uh, former colleague. And one of the things we did for a month that just changed my life was she said every time she gets angry, she gets really upset and she cries. And I say, oh, really? Because when I get angry, I just get furious and I stew and I, and it ruins every aspect of my life. And she's like, well, being sad and depressed ruins every aspect of my life. And I said, what if we switch like like a trading places, you know, like the Eddie, Eddie Murphy movie? Like, let's just, for, for one month, every time I get angry, I'm going to feel sad. And every time you feel angry, you'll be righteously angry. And I got to tell you, one of the best things I ever did, that's another way of realizing that mm -hmm. being self-aware enough to know that a behavior pattern is not serving you. It's only harming you. And I think that's the, the, the and so when we did that, I got to tell you, feeling sad for a month rather than angry changed my life because I was like, it's sad that you're this way. It's mm -hmm. sad that you want to talk to this. Like, I, this. God, this must come from so much pain. It's the wow. only reason anyone would ever be this way. And, and it helped me deal with so many things at that time in my life. And, and I forget that lesson. I forget how sad it is. You know? And so anyway, you're, thank you, coach, for today. Um, but coaching our careers, be aware of the behavior patterns that are not serving you. And wonder, actually play with this. What's the opposite of the emotion you can have? If you're angry, couldn't be sad. If you're Depressed, what would it be? Could you just get um, energized? There's something, right? If you're stagnant, get moving. And, you know, usually there's a thing that we're doing that helped us in the past that is no longer helping us. And self-awareness is recognition of that. That what has got us to hear won't be what get us to what, that which got us to hear. Sorry, I'm gonna say this again. That which got us to hear will not be that which gets us to there. And changing the behavior patterns to get us to where we want to go mm -hmm. is one of the hardest things because it becomes an awareness that we've got to let go of who we were to become who we're meant to be. Ooh, that's a good one, Brandon. I'm going to try to We have to let go of who we were to become who we want to be. Boom, let's end the show. We're good. Let's, <laughs> and that's a wrap. I was like, it's so good. I'm writing it down personally. I don't know about but, you guys. I was talking fast before. So I always joke around. If anyone listens to this show on double speed, which I've tried, God God help you. 1.5 is the fastest you should go if you ever listen to this on uh, Apple Podcasts or any other awesome. streaming. Yeah. Anything else to wrap us up, buddy? Yeah. No, speaking of which, it's funny. My uh, vocal coach who I've worked with for, God, seven years now, Arthur Samuel Joseph, if anybody wants to learn how to harness the power of your voice, you'll be able to find it soon. It's called uh, Achieve, Reclaim, and Command Your Destiny Using Your Voice. And I remember I just laughed about it, uh, Brandon. You'll be able to find it on my jenniferkhill.com website. But I bring it up because it's so true. When I first started doing TV work, Brandon, oh my gosh, I spoke a million miles a minute and yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. like this and it's taken seven years of working with Arthur, but people take you more seriously. Sometimes there's a certain gravitas, yes. like power. And that's another thing of self-awareness. Sometimes just breathing when we just allow, as Arthur would say, a conscious loving breath. We should even have Arthur on in this month. He would be great for the show. And when we allow that conscious loving breath, that's when it's like we create the space and we're not rushing into the next thing and unconsciously participating in life. Yeah. And I, one thing you, you got me thinking about is despite our best efforts, we might still speak quickly. Yeah. We might do this. And one of the things I used to do, we did probably a thousand trainings for over 30,000 people. 
And one of the things I used to start my trainings with is I will try to speak slow. I will likely fail in that endeavor. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, usually in the beginning, I'd give up just so they weren't going, why is this guy talking so fast? You know, I know. I know if I get fast. And so it was my way of not sabotaging myself, but actually just setting expectations. And so I think there's something around full circle back to where we began. Self-awareness is setting the expectations on the listener to know what they can expect from you. So they don't have to stew the whole time going, wonder, 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 why are you being like this? Um, but again, I'm going to say this for a thousand times. And you, you always use that manager who was yelling example you love to talk about. I don't think it gives you a license to be an a-hole. You know, I, like I said, one of my old CEOs to say, can I be honest with you? If you're just going to use it as a reason to say the cruelest thing you can think of, I'd rather you not. Um, so uh, be authentic, be honest, but it is with the intent to serve the person. That is self-awareness. Self-awareness is being aware of the impact you have on others. Yeah. And to tie it back full step, is the person available to receive the feedback? Okay cruel it's cruel to give feedback that somebody isn't open or available to receive beautifully said beautifully said and forcing them to receive it before if they're not ready is not fair to them or you love it this was a good one (laughs) so much brandon this was so much fun so i'm so happy thank you to everybody out there who tuned in you know we always welcome your feedback love the episode hated the episode have feedback thought something was missing we'd love to hear it from you you can email us at getyourselfthejob at gmail.com. You can also leave us your comments or ratings. We deeply appreciate any ratings you want to leave us. If you can take a moment and rate the podcast on Get Yourself the Job on iTunes. You can also find us on iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, or if you want to see the video, go to the latalkradio.com site or go to the LA Talk Radio Facebook page and you can watch the full video so you can see our smiling faces. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here with us and wishing everyone a great rest of your week. You're listening to Get Yourself the Job with Jennifer Hill and Brandon Maslin only on LA Talk Radio.